It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Brian Cat Catanzaro and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, and on YouTube. We're not hard to find. And uh, now there's really reasons to come back and talk Miami Dolphins football. It has been 36 days since the Miami Dolphins have lost a football game. They've won their fourth straight in a row uh, yeah, against the San Diego Chargers by the score of 31-24. to Definitely made it an interesting game. Four interceptions in the fourth quarter. The big one, a 60-yard interception return for touchdown by Kiko Alonso that put the Dolphins ahead with a minute left to play. Paul, the Dolphins definitely don't make it easy on us, huh? No, it's, you know, it's, God, what are we going to talk about today? I mean, winning, 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 winning. It's so old, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it sure does. No, actually, no, never gets old. Never, never, never gets old. Uh, and now, when you look at it, the, so here the Dolphins are at five and four, which would have seemed crazy talk when uh, the Dolphins were one and four after a crushing loss to the Titans. Then we look ahead our, at our schedule. We see the Steelers. We see the Bills. We see the Chargers. Man, oh man, uh, to be five and four. Now you look at the Dolphins' next two games. Uh, you're going to be favored right now. You're favored by a point over the LA Rams at LA. And then you've got the 49ers at home might be one of the worst teams in the league. Dolphins could be talking about a six game winning streak here. Kudos to Adam Gase and how he's really gotten this team riled up here following a one and four start. Paul, uh, Let's take a look here at, at a few uh, few different positions as we go through, which will lend itself to the rest of our conversation. Quarterback position, Ryan Tannehill, very strong game under center. Yeah, he, he had, I think, a 130.6 rating, 240 yards, two touchdowns. Really should have had a completion deep to Devontae Parker. But, you know, the officials had to call a pretty weak holding call. It was holding, I will say that. But when I look at what happens to Cam Wake play in, play out. It sure didn't count as holding to me compared to that. So, I mean, he, he could have easily been right at that 300-yard mark. Definitely a huge, strong day from Tannehill. I can't give him anything less than an A here. Yeah, definitely a strong game. I mean, throwing the ball short, throwing the ball deep. I mean, a 39-yard touchdown to Kenny Stills to, to put the Dolphins up 14-10. Uh, to 10. Beautiful throw. Beautiful play action. Devontae Parker, he, them two were finally on the same page. He made the throws when he needed to, and he stood in the pocket when he had to as well. I'm going to give him an A-. minus. Uh, his, his stats weren't jaw-dropping. 17 for 24, 240 yards, two touchdowns. Great stats. I'll save the A or the A-plus for another day. Uh, running back position, Paul. Uh, J.J. didn't quite have that monstrous performance that we've expected over the last three weeks. Uh, how do you grade this spot? I actually give the running back position a, a, a very high B-plus here. And I know they weren't statistical monsters, but when it came down to the second half, J.J. had some critical runs. And then you look at Damian Williams, who came in, had three touches in the game, both in, in receiving and running the ball. Ends up with, with you know two touchdowns, putting 14 points on the board from the Dolphins there. And really, it, it's they did everything that was asked of them. And, yeah, there's going to be games where he doesn't get 100 yards. I, I hate to break the folks. It's going to happen. He was going up against the fifth-best run defense in the NFL going into this week. So it's not like 
the Chargers are slouches against the run, and he made the runs when he counted. So, B-plus for me. Yeah, I mean, J.J., 19 carries for 79 yards. We're still talking about, what, just over four yards a carry against one of the best run defenses in the league. And you look at the at the Dolphins' running back spot in general, uh, which we just assumed was going to be a, a trouble spot for them heading into this year, at least I did. Our top three backs combined, Ajayi, Damian Williams, and Kenyon Drake, have combined for 166 carries, 897 yards, 13 touchdowns, 5.4 yards a carry. Who would have seen that coming? Looking at this game, Damian Williams, yeah, he, he continues to grow um, on me. I mean, he, he's well, he's not dominant in one area, but he helps in the passing game. A great catch against Kyle Emanuel for a big 18-yard touchdown. Also, uh, another two-yard touchdown as well. The guy has got five touchdowns on the year. Uh, and Ajaye, uh, yeah, you, I think you said it best, Paul. He got he got caught for a lot of losses, but uh, he, he made a big 40-yard run that, that, that made a huge difference in the game and was still very, very tough running the ball inside when it mattered. I'll give the running back position a B. Uh, receiver, uh, you know, I, I got to say, at tight end, I... I'm more and more impressed with Marquise Gray every week. Not and he's hey, you know what? Catch three passes for 20 yards. So that's perfectly fine. Blocks really well. Gives us kind of that six offensive lineman um, to go with our other five. And you know, goes out and catches a few passes when it matters. Um, and the, when you look at the rest of the receiving unit, Devontae Parker obviously big breakout game. Five catches for 103 yards. Not only that, um, but. I saw a player that wasn't affected by his hamstring. It looked like he just had a completely different gear in this contest. And not a surprise, it's the first time he hasn't been questionable on the injury report in a long time. Jarvis Landry, six catches for 53 yards, including a big one at the beginning of the second quarter. Sorry, second half, excuse me, that put the Dolphins in field goal range, uh, set him up for a Damian Williams touchdown. Kenny Stills catches a long touchdown. Would like to see Leontay Carew get a little bit more involved. But, Paul, overall, I'm going to give this receiver unit an A-. minus. Yeah, for me, I am going to go with a B-plus as well, Um, even though, you know, my heart's telling me I want to go in that A range. Devontae Parker actually looked motivated in this game, which, which is something we haven't seen from him on a play-in, play-out basis yet this year or even last year, uh, which was great to see. He very he very easily, given the play that I referenced before, could have been sitting right around six catches for 150 yards in this contest, which, holy crap, um, talk about having a little bit of a breakout party. And, and kudos to you for calling that last week. I know a lot of people uh, have said that they thought it was kind of a pedestrian day from Landry. You know what? I'll take a pedestrian day where the guy has six catches for 53 yards, and several of those catches were difference-making catches in the game. Good for him. That's the hell of a pedestrian day right there. And it's kind of funny. You mentioned the tight ends. I've been excited about watching Martin uh, Gray catch the ball and get out there, and when he gets his number called, Typically, he's made the play uh, since since really getting into the lineup. And who would have thought the beginning of the season that we feel was an effective day from the tight end position when we get two catches for 18 yards? But that's the position <laughs> that guys like Jordan Cameron put us in, where it's like, holy crap, our tight end caught the ball. But no, in all seriousness, I do like what I see out of Gray. I like what I see out of Dominique Jones when he gets in there. And I'm excited to see that Deion Sims is, is right there on the cusp of getting some time again because I think having those three mix it up a bit could be something that has a positive effect for this offense and adds another dimension 
to the effective running game that they've got as well as the receiving game. Uh, would I like to see Grant and Peru get in there more? Absolutely. But, hey, it's when these guys are having an effective day, I, I'm all right with this. They were a part of Tannehill getting his 130.6 rating in this game, so good for them. Definitely. It was uh, Finally, we see the receiving unit come together. And, yeah, like you said, Paul, a long catch from Parker was also called back on a, on a ticky-tacky penalty. Not to mention, it would have brought him to 6 for 150. Not to mention, Parker was tripped up twice, barely. Otherwise, he would have definitely taken those, those other passes to the house. Yeah, very exciting to see because I've said, I've said it for the last few weeks now. If there's a player on offense that's going to put the Dolphins over the top, it's going to be Devontae Parker. And I think we saw what kind of impact he can bring with his physical skills. Uh, the offensive line, Paul, um, Brandon Albert gets hurt, actually pops his arm back into place, continues playing. Just a gutsy, gutsy performance by him. Um, how would you grade the offensive line? The offensive line, I'm, I'm giving a solid A. Um, they, they let a Jai run for, you know, like you said, just over four yards of carry against one of the best uh, run defenses in the NFL. They kept Tannehill clean most of the game. And, you know, even when Albert went out for a few plays, Craig Urbit comes in. We see Laramie Tunzel slide out to left tackle, and, and Tunzel was great at left tackle. And Albert let up one sack that was pretty brutal. Guy got a great jump against him. And then, you know, there's the ticky-tack holding call on uh, Juwan James, which I don't even want to get started on the officials in this game because this really was a brutal game in terms of the officiating department. Congratulations to that officiating crew. You may have lost your shot at the playoffs now, but, you know, good for you guys. Calling an ineffective game at the very least we'll go with. But overall, I thought they did a very solid job and continued to build upon what we've seen over the past month, month and a half. Now that they've got all their starters healthy, and even when they've had to call on their depth here, it's it's great to see after so many years of trying to see this offensive line come together. Yeah, uh, offensive line did a did a very good job. Uh, not a whole lot of holes in the running game created. I mean, JJA. Uh, 40 of his 79 yards were on one carry. I, I'll argue Ajayi was pretty tough in getting the rest of those. Not a whole lot of, in terms of run blocking, but they were also stocking up at the line, too. Yeah, Tannehill got sacked once early in the game by Melvin Ingram. Uh, Joey Bosa, very quiet in this contest. Uh, you know, and you look at the offensive line, Juwan James, to me, continues to play better. Pouncey had a great game. Tunzel played well, whether he was a left guard or left tackle. Uh, I'll give this unit a B+. Uh, defensive line, yeah, I tell you what, Cameron Wake, I, I, I got to say, I was one person who was not in favor of him coming back this year at his salary and at, at his age as a third-down pass rusher. I was definitely wrong on that. He gets his sixth and seventh sack of the year. And I'll tell you what, it is huge that with the, with the amount of poor right tackles the Dolphins have on their schedule, Cameron Wake can single-handedly ruin some drives. Uh, Andre Branch at, at the other defensive end spot, I think this is a player the Dolphins have on a one-year, two-year, or excuse me, one-year, $2 million contract, and it was a prove-it deal. And uh, to me, they need to re-sign this guy as soon as possible. He has proven himself to me at this point. Mario Williams played pretty well in his limited role. Only had 27 snaps. Jason Jones played pretty well as a, as a run-stopping DN2. And Dominican Sue was a monster. Jordan Phillips and Dominican Sue combined really have the ability to push that pocket forward. And I'll tell you what, Earl Mitchell looked like the player at defensive tackle, Paul, that 
uh, we envisioned uh, when he was signed in 2014. Overall, I think this unit did a fantastic job. Uh, I'm going to give them an A. Yeah, A-plus a for me. It's, I really think this unit was indirectly, uh, at least in part, responsible for Philip Rivers essentially turning into a chuck and duck in the fourth quarter. Um, they they may have only had four sacks in this game, which is funny to say, may have only. But they really were in his face all day long. And Earl Mitchell, like you said, the play where he just submarined Melvin there at, uh, what was it, the four-yard line when it was, you know, on the one initially, completely ran over the, right, the left guard yeah. and destroyed the play in the backfield with, with the left guard riding him like a backpack. That was very indicative of what we saw all day. Indomitian Sue getting in there and, and just stuffing Melvin again for loss after loss throughout the contest, taking on multiple blockers and, and really just being a dominant force, even though it doesn't show up huge on the stat sheet. And just looking at everybody along that defensive line, the impacts they had throughout the game, it's easily an A-plus absolutely a strength and i think the secondary and kiko alonzo should be taking those guys out to dinner because philip rivers was getting wildly inaccurate in that fourth quarter especially after getting bludgeoned all game long and i i love it too well said and i i love it how this this defense is, is playing very contained in terms of how they're rushing the quarterback. Uh, again, going back to Kevin Coyle, uh, you could see from six miles away that he was when he was going to blitz. And if I could see it, you bet opposing quarterbacks could see it too. They're, they put a lot of money into this defensive line, and they're starting to really see the return on investment for that. I mean, again, you've got a lot of bad offensive lines that the Dolphins have played, and they'll continue to play uh, over these remaining six games. The linebacker spot, Paul, Kiko Alonso obviously made headlines with uh, with the 60-yard touchdown with a minute left. Well, I tell you what, one of the best plays I've ever seen out of a linebacker uh, when you look at the entire play. There he is in the middle, looking to stop the run, moves over and takes the slot receiver, follows the slot receiver up the field, hands it off to the, to the safety, then undercuts uh, the tight end, takes it all the way back 60 yards, and outruns wide receivers to do it. Man, oh, man, what a, what a play. Um, and I'll tell you what, I really like Neville Hewitt more and more every week. Uh, Jelani Jenkins had one of his probably his best game of the year, which isn't saying a whole heck of a lot. But overall, I, I, I like this unit capitalized by the Kiko Alonso play. I'm going to go ahead and give them an, an I'm going to give them an A minus. What about you, Paul? Yeah, it's, there were a couple of things from Butler I saw in this game where, where he uh, lost contain. Uh, there were a couple of scheme aspects. Uh, one thing that I would like to see from the linebacker position, this really comes down to coaching, is periodically you see Miami blitzing themselves out of the play. And we saw it with a pretty decent run by Melvin Gordon in the first half when they blitzed Kiko uh, through the guard center gap. And they blitzed, uh, I believe, Jenkins through the, the guard tackle gap. And the run was through the other guard center gap. And with the wide nine, that just leaves a big gaping asshole in the middle of the field uh, if you don't blitz into the right hole. And Chargers made him pay a little bit. But I will say the Kiko play, I, we were watching that the whole way through and saw some of that coming. And one thing I want to say about the Kiko play, if you watch it back, you mentioned him outrunning the wide receivers. 
Bobby McCain had, had hauled ass down the field trying to to basically peel off the wide receiver that was immediately trailing Kiko and got grabbed from behind by, by I think it was an offensive lineman or a tight end, and yet essentially yanked back so he couldn't make the blocks, hoping that the wide receiver could catch him. And, and Kiko just cut across the field that really ran away from that wide receiver anyway. So kudos to Bobby McCain, who had a few rough moments in the game for trying to help out with that. But yeah, for me, it, it's it's a very, very solid A here. Jelani Jenkins actually threw some thumps onto people, which is something we haven't seen from him in a really long time, if ever, on top of really being all over the field. So an A for me, but they need to do a little better job of containing and scheming those blitzes to not leave as big a gaps across the field. Yeah, Donald Butler is one that has not impressed me all that much. It seems like every time there is a big run that's let up, it's over Donald Butler. Uh, and I, I don't see enough big plays out of him uh, to make up for it. Uh, defensive back, uh, definitely a, an interesting game. I, there, were, there were periods in this game where I was cursing Tony Lippett and, and Bobby McCann and Byron Maxwell. Obviously, they pulled it together here in the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're st- they're still playing Lippet a little too far off the ball, which I think leads to. I know they're trying to protect him with that a little bit, but I think it leads to some overcompensation from him at times, and I think that plays into things for him. They do need to continue to move him a little closer to the ball, feast or famine wise. They, they just do. And yeah, Bobby McCain had some rough moments, but I still continue to like him. We knew what we got, what we have in Bobby McCain which is he's a player that's going to take some chances. He's going to have some flubs and he's going to have some outstanding plays. And we, we have to take the good with the bad with him. Byron Maxwell, I thought had a very good game. Uh, Bakari Rambo. Good God. He, I know he broke up two passes on that first drive, but after that he was abysmal. Uh, I never thought I'd be saying, I want to see Michael Thomas on the field more, but I want to see Michael Thomas on the field more if it gets Bakari Rambo off the field. He uh, just brutal. He was out of position, both in the passing game and the running game. Uh, he, he missed on a bunch of tackles so badly that you almost didn't realize that he missed out on it because he was so far out of the play because he removed himself. This is a guy that I had some excitement about from some plays I saw last week. And... I can kind of understand why he was a free agent for Miami to just pick up based on some plays I saw this week. Um, He's really got to get his head in the game and get with the scheme, or Miami needs to play around with Aikens and Thomas again back there next to Issa. I thought Issa had a decent game, but again, it's Rambo was, was the weak link to me in the secondary, not... Bobby McCain and not Tony Lippett. Lippett's going to have his growing pains, and McCain's going to have his Easter famine moments. Yeah, Rambo did struggle back there uh, a couple of times. I right there with you on that. Yeah, and it was interesting too. Rambo played, I think, fifty-four snaps, and Michael Thomas played twenty-six. So uh, that was a little a little perplexing to see because I thought. You know, Michael Thomas, I've always liked him more than you, but I, I think Thomas has been playing better and better every week ever since he's taken over for Rashad Jones at that spot. Yeah, at, at defensive back, yeah, Lippitt does give up a lot of cushion, and I think it's part part scheme, and I think it's part 
his body type too. He, he is a long, lanky player. As a result, it takes him longer to turn and run with somebody. So that, that leads to a lot of those 10-yard sideline completions. McCain is very, very feast or famine, and it, it was a lot more famine in this game. But hey, Tony Lippett, first two career interceptions, and they were big ones. And a cornerback, Byron Maxwell, even though he, he makes me uneasy, he looks sloppy, he looks like he's running on stilts a lot. Last four games, he's in totality pulled, pulled together some very good football games. I think he grabs too much. He, he makes me a little uncomfortable. But, you know, again, he, he definitely gets positive grades overall in this one, too. So uh, at defensive back, I'm going to give this unit a B plus, mostly for the turnovers, and they pulled it together when they needed to, even though they did end up giving a lot of big yards and big completions up here to Phillip Rivers. Um, special teams, Paul. Well, this was a unit that was all over the map. Coverage units were good in terms of punt coverage. Uh, kickoff coverage was good. Franks did a decent job on kickoffs. Didn't have any egregious mistakes that we saw earlier in the year in terms of field goals or extra points. And Matt Darr had a good day. But then you look at Jakeem Grant, who I, you know I love. You know I was excited about this pick out of the draft. You know I was excited about this kid after last week and after his punt return earlier in the year. I think he muffed that first punt and then got in his own head and pressed a little bit too hard. And he was putting balls on the turf throughout the game. Um, he's got to find a way to forget the bad and, and really stick with the good and move forward from there and not let that interfere with his play because Miami cannot afford to have some of the mistakes that he made in this game. And he's got to secure the ball or as explosive as he is, Miami may have to move on from him if he can't get out of his own head there. Uh, it's a B for me, and just unfortunately, Jakeem drags it down, even though we saw some stellar play from some other areas. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B, too. And, you know, to even go further on Jakeem Grant, I'll tell you what, uh, I've been not too happy with Grant over the last couple of games. Um, and even though it might sound crazy, I mean, ever since his, you know, a return touchdown, and he should have had a return touchdown last game, that was a ticky tackle. But I've always said this about kicker turners is your first job is to catch the football and not create negative plays for your team. And Grant has done that now three, four times in the last three games. That's not good. And I hope it doesn't continue. I mean, I will take, I will take a returner who gets the ball, gets as many yards as he can and catches the football and doesn't fumble. than somebody who provides a lot of big plays, but also fumbles a lot. So, Hopefully Grant turns it around here and and he uh, does well because other than that, the special teams unit I thought was fantastic. Matt Dar, his first four punts, I'm pretty sure that he had an average net of, of about 55, which is stunning. Um, and then uh, Andrew Franks puts the ball at the end zone, nails his kicks, doesn't miss any, and then the special teams coverage unit did a great job. So other than the, G the Jakeem Grant fumble, I'm with you, Paul, takes the grade from an A down to a B. Luckily, it didn't cost them the game, but if you fumble punts, it's going to cost you one eventually. Um, how about your stud of this game, Paul? Uh, God, can you give it to anybody but Kiko Alonso, despite some of the stellar play by guys like Parker and guys like Tannehill, I, I can't give it to anybody but Kiko after that amazing interception return and, and what led up to it throughout the play as you were talking about. I mean, the fact that he started out over...
dropped out to cover a slot, came off the slot to, to undercut a route to a tight end. Holy crap. Uh, and he was all over the field before that anyhow. So, yeah, Kiko wins this in a landslide for me, despite some great play by other players. Yeah, this is hard to pick this week. I mean, you can go with Tannehill, you can Devontae Parker, Cameron Wake. I mean, you can give it to five or six different different people. I'm going to give mine to Cameron Wake. I think he really set the tone up front uh, all game, and, and that forced Phillip Rivers to be very uneasy. I think I think two sacks very easily could have been three or four. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the referees too. Like I'm not somebody, I, I don't, I can't remember one time in the show in six years that I've complained about refs. I think it's petty. I think calls go either way a lot, but it was embarrassing. I mean, and, and uh, the measuring stick on that Coney's corner, uh, who's a good friend of mine who used to be on Twitter, isn't anymore, but Anytime I would complain to him about any call or refs, he would never have it. He texted me during the game and said, you know I never complain about refs, and this is absolutely embarrassing. And it was. So hopefully they get it together next week. Uh, Paul, who's your dud of the game? Unfortunately, I think I've already given this one away. It's Jakeem Grant. I think he fumbled, what, three times between punts and kickoffs? One of them may not have even counted it officially because he picked the ball back up and downed it in the end zone. But he had a rough day, a really rough day. And those are plays that could have completely cost this team in terms of field position. I know Bobby McCain had some rough plays. Um, A couple of those I actually attribute to some of the problems that Rambo had in the secondary uh, because he wasn't given the coverage over the top where he should have been. But... Jakeem Grant could have turned the ball over like crazy in this game. And that's just unacceptable. So it's got to be a dud for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with you on Grant. I mean, I, he definitely would have been mine too. But because we don't pick the same one, uh, I'm going to go with – it's kind of hard to come up with a number two. Um, I'm going to go with Donald Butler. Uh, again, I, I think that anytime there's uh, – a big gaffe in the defense, whether it's against the run or against the pass, it tends to be against Donald Butler. You know, I know he's going to fill in, but I'd rather see Neville Hewitt, Jelani Jenkins, and even Spencer Pacing are out on the field before him. But hey, the pros definitely outweigh the cons in this game. On to L.A., where the Dolphins will stay in California for uh, for next week. Paul, anything else you'd like to add before we call it a day? Yeah, um, actually, Finfet or Rick from the Nova Dolph fans actually threw a question our way um, through to us, Armando and, and Garfinkel actually today, which I thought was kind of neat, but I uh, wanted to know what our prediction was for the Dolphins' final regular season record of, of the season. So I'll, I'll let you jump in on that first. I kind of already replied on Twitter, but I also want to give, give us a chance to put it out there on the air for those folks that listen that don't have Twitter or what have you. You know, uh... Just looking at the rest of the schedule, I'll say this. I, I think they'll beat the Rams. Um, I think they'll beat the 49ers. So right there, they're 7-4, they're and four, which is insane to talk about. Then at Baltimore, Arizona at home, and at New York, I think they'll win two of those three games. So now you're at... Nine and nine and five headed into the final two games at Buffalo and against New England. 
Unfortunately, at that point, I, I, I think the Dolphins do lose to Buffalo, who I think has been a very, very tough team this year. Uh, I think they'd be right there with us, uh, maybe even better if they had Sammy Watkins, which they'll probably have for this game. And then against New England, it's just a tough game to win on, on New Year's Day. So my, my final prediction is going to be 9-7. and seven. For, for me, I look at it, and, and what I put out there today was 10-6, was and... Six, and I could very realistically see a scenario, uh, and, and you gave a lot of the description for why, so I don't have to go too far into it. But I could very easily see scenarios where they're either 11 and 5 or 9 and 7. But the positive thing here is no matter which prediction we're making right now, we are, barring a catastrophic failure down the stretch, looking at a record above 500, no matter which of the predictions we're looking at, which I think is absolutely phenomenal to be saying, especially after the way they started the year. Didn't let's face an embarrassing passion. Yeah, and I think that is amazing to be able to talk about that. It'd be the first time since 2008 the Dolphins have been over 500, even if it's 9-7 and seven and missing the playoffs. What really does take some of the sting off this, this weekend is... Uh, the Charger, the the Raiders had a bye week. They stay at seven and two. The Broncos uh, beat the Saints on that crazy last play where the or uh, Parks had that block punt return for touchdown. Broncos get to seven two. Chiefs get to seven and two in a game that they had no business winning. They were down seventeen to three in the fourth quarter, and the Panthers had the ball uh, at the Chiefs' eighteen yard line. I mean, it's embarrassing that they were able to give that game away, but. It might take 11 wins for the Dolphins to make the playoffs. But regardless, if the Dolphins finish 9-7, and 10-6, and six, I'm going to be extremely hopeful for the future, especially given this is Adam Gase's first year. Exactly. It's, I definitely want to see that winning record. That's a huge measuring stick. The fact that the Dolphins are having fun on the field, the fact that they're making the plays, the fact that the past two games even, there has been some adversity at the end of the game or towards the end of the game, that, let's face it, the past several years, we'll go with several, if the Matt Dar botched snap occurred, Miami would have folded up against the Jets. If the officiating had been as bad as it was yesterday, Miami would have folded up against the Chargers. And there are points you can look at over this winning streak where Miami's essentially nutted up, got back out there, got after it, and found a way to make those difference-making plays. That's what winning teams do. That's what good teams do. That's the difference between a winning team and an average to mediocre, we pick 14th in the draft every year team um, is. And, and, and so that's great to see out there. Uh, before we jump off your cat, one more thing I want to throw out is for anybody going to that MetLife takeover um, December 17th against the Jets, since we're talking about future games anyway, they did put out info this week. They're hoping to do a big tailgate. They need people to sign up. So if you're going to that game, go to Dolphins NYC's Facebook page. Go to their website, DolphinsNYC.com, and let them know or follow up on that info for how to sign up for that tailgate because it's a great time. It's nice not having to bring crap to the game. And they do a great job. They get stuff donated for the tailgate as well that they can add on on top of it. Awesome stuff. Michelle and Igor and Brian. Um, and Alex, they all do a phenomenal job with this. So take a look at it. it it's, it's definitely great to do. Yes, they certainly do. Uh, we're, we're definitely big supporters of them here on the Fen side. And uh, 
that'll do it for us here in this recap of the San Diego Chargers Miami Dolphins matchup on to LA for the next game and if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side it is on the thin side Solo D take us home it ain't the left side or the right side then it must be the thin side it ain't the left side or the right side then it must be the thin side Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans radio, live and direct Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rockin' Apple Orange over here, then you familiar to fulfill the crap we have to hear about our team and all the latest news Vets the rookies trying to make the team paying dues Current players and alumni interviews City to city, state to state, follow the moves Call the hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go Best sports team and show all across the globe Fin ain't the left side or the right side Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.